High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Bible, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. You don't have to throw the, the, the verse on the screens because I'm going to read it from the King James. I don't think we have it up there. I'm going to kick it old school today and read it from the King James. Is that all right with y'all? Uh, in the King's English, we're going to read it that way. But I want to minister a message to you this morning entitled Permission to be Peculiar. Y'all awake this morning? First service was a little bit sleepy, so I need y'all to be awake. Y'all got y'all got that little bit extra sleep from first service, so I need y'all to be awake for me in second service. But permission to be peculiar. Let's read this First Peter chapter two. It says this: "But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood." Let me reread it. I got to read it right in the King's English. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love this here. Peter's writing. He's talking to who? He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. Let me put it this way. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to all of us in this room. And he starts saying this. He goes, you are chosen. Bless God. Everybody likes to be chosen. I said it this way earlier. It's kind of like, y'all remember playing, uh, playing in, in PE or uh, in, in, in the, at the park or something, and y'all were playing football or kickball or whatever, and you started picking teams? You know what I'm talking about? Nobody liked to be the last one picked. If you were the first one picked, you really liked it. It meant something. The NFL draft was was a couple weeks ago, and and I was watching the draft. I was watching, and I love the draft. It's like one of the pastimes in my house. I have to watch the NFL draft. Ask my wife. I have to watch the NFL draft. I don't know why. It's my tradition. I do it. I love it. It's super, like, the really nerdy end of football, and I'm all about it. I was watching the NFL draft, and Josiah, who's 13, came in my room, and we're watching it, and or come in the living room, we were watching it, and he goes, Dad, why are all these guys that get picked crying? Because they get picked and these guys just start, you know, boohooing. And uh, he's like, are they crying because they don't like the team that picked them? And I was like, no, son, they're crying because they just became millionaires instantly, multi-millionaires instantly. Everybody likes to get picked. Bryce Young got picked first overall uh, by, uh, who, picked, who had the overall first overall pick? I don't even know who it was. Who picked Bryce Young? Carolina. Carolina picked Bryce Young, and uh, whenever Bryce Young went and signed the contract, he got an over $20 million signing bonus. Not because he played a down of football, because he signed his name on a contract that said he would play football. He got over $20 million in a signing bonus, and then I started crying. I was like, ain't nobody should get paid that much, more, that much money to sign a contract to play football. Let me say this, though. Whenever you're chosen, it has benefits to it. You're not just chosen and then there's no benefit on the other side. You are chosen and you get the benefits of being chosen. 
You are chosen by the Lord and you get the benefits of peace. You are chosen by the Lord and you get the benefits of hope. You are chosen by the Lord and you get the benefits of God blessing you. You get the benefits of being chosen in that if you believe on the Lord Jesus, not only would you be saved, but your entire household. There are benefits to being chosen. We shout about being chosen. And then he goes, also you're royal. Hallelujah. You wear the crown of authority. There's power and there's authority in you because you're royal. You're holy. And less people get excited about being holy, but some people still do. Anybody in this room get excited about being called holy? You've been called out. You've been set apart. You are different. Holy. God has consecrated you for a purpose. So we're like, yes, we're chosen. Yes, we're royal. Yes, we're holy. And then he goes, and you're a peculiar people. Wait a second. What did you call me? What did you say about me? Nobody really likes to be called peculiar. Let me put it for you in modern English. A synonym for peculiar is weird. Paul says, y'all are chosen. You're royal. You're holy. And you're also a little bit weird. Also a little bit odd. You're peculiar. Nobody likes to be called weird. But that's exactly what Peter does here. Peter calls him, he goes, y'all are a little bit weird. Peter says, you're called to be peculiar. You're called to be a little bit weird. You're called to be a little bit different than everybody else. Let me, what, what, what's Peter really getting at? I believe this is what he's really telling you. You are to be called out of normal. You weren't created to be what the culture has called normal. You weren't created to be what our society has deemed as normal. There's a lot of things that our culture calls normal that you're not intended to partake of. Our culture calls being broken normal. You weren't called to live broken. Our culture calls being confused about everything normal. You weren't called to be confused about everything in your life. Our culture calls being full of hate normal. You weren't called to be full of hate. Our culture calls living in fear normal. You weren't called to live in fear. Remember this, Jesus said this, I will build my church. My ecclesia is, this, is, is the Greek word, my, my called out ones. Let me say this too, you've been called out of sin. You've been called out of transgression. Our culture says it's weird. Excuse me. Our culture says it's normal for you just to live in sin. It's just your human brokenness. It's just who you are. We tell people their sin is who they are. Your sin is not who you are. As a matter of fact, your sin is keeping you from who you're supposed to be. Talked about this a little while, a month or so ago. You know why God hates sin? He doesn't hate sin because sin is ooh, yucky, gross. And that's a lot of the times the way that we think about it. Sin is just a taboo and it's, it's gross and it's icky. God doesn't hate sin because it's gross and grosses him out. God hates sin because sin dehumanizes man. Because whenever God created man, he didn't have sin in his life. And then whenever sin entered, it literally caused him to be less than human. Is this too theological for you? Just too deep for you. It makes you less than human when you live in sin because perfect humanity is being who God has called you to be. 
God didn't make humanity broken. God made humanity whole. Sin breaks us and dehumanizes us and makes us less than human. Whenever people go, well, you know, I just sin a little bit because I'm human. No, you're not sinning because you're human. You're sinning because you've been dehumanized. If you really begin to realize who God had made you and you begin to live holy, living as human will cause you to live in purpose and destiny that he's called you to be. God didn't intend for humanity to live broken forever. That's why he sent Jesus. If you're still all broken and in sin after you've been saved, what was the point of Jesus coming to begin with? Jesus came not just to buy you back. He came to break the power of sin over your life. It wasn't just an excuse to wash over. It was power to be called out of and come out of sin and live actually in holiness and live different than everybody else. Are y'all with me this morning? To live different than everybody else. What our culture calls normal isn't what you should call normal. What our culture has called normal isn't what you're called to be. I want to free you today from the, from the bondage of the trap of popularity. I want to free you from the trap of acceptance. The only way to really get freed from the trap of acceptance, though, is realize you're already accepted. Everybody's always seeking acceptance but if they would just begin to realize that they're already accepted by Jesus, they wouldn't seek after acceptance everywhere. If they would realize that they are accepted in the beloved, they would realize that they don't need to seek acceptance from everywhere and everything and everybody. Because God's created community. He's created a church. He's created a place for you to be accepted and for you to come into who you are called to be. I want you to hear me out. When I talk about being holy, I don't want people to freak out and think I'm talking about some sort of list of rules and you have to attain to complete perfection before you can ever be loved. Because that's not holiness. That's legalism and bondage. Are y'all with me this morning? What I am talking about, though, is you beginning a journey and on a road to, to freedom and wholeness and who God's called you to be. And guess what? People who are on that road are people who are welcome here and accepted in the beloved. And we will wrap our arms around you in your brokenness, in your problems, in your issues. And we will help you on a road to become who God's called you to be. So when I say you got to be holy, I'm not saying you can't ever have a problem. Because none of us would be here this morning. How many of you had a problem this week? Amen. Welcome to the club. We've all had problems this week. I'm not saying you can't have issues. I'm saying your issues can't have you. I'm saying you can't be allow your, your, your identity be, to become your issues. I used to tell kids this all the time whenever I would do youth. I would tell kids this. Anything that is different than what God has said about you is not who you are. Anything that is different than what God has said about you is not who you are. And guess what I'll tell adults? Anything that's different about you than what God has called you to be is not who you are and not part of an identity that you have to, to accept. People have the same problems. They just, change, they just change locations. People problems are people problems. Whether you're 14 or whether you're 57. People problems are people problems. We, guess what? Adults still struggle with popularity. Wanting to be accepted. Wanting to be the cool kid at work. Except now instead of by what kind of shoes you wear, what kind of car you drive, it still might be what kind of car you drive. Instead of being what kind of shoes you wear and what kind of clothes you wear and who you're hanging out with and who you're dating, now it's going places with people. It's engaging in conversations with certain people in certain ways about certain things. Huh? 
Do you know how much, you know how much trouble you would save yourself if you would get over FOMO? Y'all know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Some of y'all don't know what that is. That's okay. Y'all, y'all, your kids can explain it to you later. FOMO, where you feel like you got to be in the middle of everything all the time or you're going to miss something. A lot of people end up in sin because they've got too much FOMO in their life and they can't stay out of places that they shouldn't be in and be around people they shouldn't be around because they got, they got fear they're going to miss out on something. Before you know it, they're doing things they shouldn't be doing, engaging in things they couldn't, shouldn't be doing, having conversations they shouldn't be having because they're so afraid they're going to miss out on something. Are y'all with me? Get rid of your FOMO. You ain't going to miss out on anything. There's nothing good going on there anyways. Nothing you need to be a part of there anyways. You go, well, you've been called out of normal. I want to free you from that. I want to give you the permission to be peculiar. You're called to be different. If the church isn't different, then we're not really even the church. If our lives don't look different, are we really even the church? There has been such a rising thing over the past, you know, decade or two, even in church culture among uh, pastors and church planters and uh, conferences. And there's this whole thing of like, we need the church to be more like the world so that when people from the world show up, they feel at home. And here's the way I say this. Whenever people show up to this place and they are people who don't know Jesus, I want them to feel loved but I don't want them to feel like this is just everywhere else they go. It should be different. The culture should be different. The atmosphere should be different. Let me put it to you this way. I've been, I've been to foreign countries before and felt inc- incredibly welcomed, incredibly loved, incredibly embraced, but also felt like the culture was incredibly foreign to what I'm used to. And the church should be that way to people who are not part of the body, to people who are not who are not Christians, who are not saved. They should walk through the doors and they should feel loved and accepted and welcomed with open arms. And they should also be going, what portal did I just step through into a different world, into a different culture, into a different place? Because guess what? The church can't outworld the world. Nor should we want to outworld the world. And what we have done for so long is we have acted like the world, talked like the world, preached like the world. And then what we've done is we've looked at the world and said, hey, do y'all want what we have? And they go, no, thanks. We already got what you got. We already have what you have. We've already got it. Listen, I look at y'all. Y'all are just as jacked up as we are. Y'all are just as broken as we are. You have the same amount of problems. Y'all hate the same people just like we hate. Y'all talk just like we talk. Y'all watch what we watch. We listen to what we listen to. Why would you be any different than me? Why would they want what we have when we are just like them? You're not going to win the world by acting like the world. You win the world by showing them a more excellent way. By saying there's something that you've been looking for and we have it. There's an answer to a question that you've had and we have the answer. His name is Jesus. I know that you've been broken, but I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be broken anymore. I know that you've been confused, but I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be confused anymore. I know that you've been sick and I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be sick anymore. I have an answer and his name is Jesus. And by the way, the only way you get that culture and that place is by being a little bit different than everybody else. People may look at it and go, that's kind of weird. People may come in and see kids up here jumping and dancing and rejoicing and go, I don't know about this. This is a little bit weird. This is a bit odd. I'm not used to this. That's okay. You don't have to be used to it. You'll get used to it. 
Well, this is a little bit weird. Well, it may be a little bit weird to you, but I think it's a little bit weird when grown men cry over football. This is, by the way, I love football. I've mentioned that already. I love it. I'm going to jump up. I'm going to shout. I'm going to do all that. Trust me. When, when the fall comes, I'm going to be tomahawk chopping and jumping up and down and doing backflips. Believe me. But I do think it's a little bit weird when you get more excited over that than you get over Jesus and what he's done. I do wonder if you have your priorities in line whenever you get more excited about what's going on in the sports world than what Jesus has done. That is, a, that's a little, you may, you may think I'm weird. I think that what your priority is kind of weird. I think I'm the normal one. You were created for more than average nominal American Christian existence. I still believe that we were created for the same purpose as the early church, to turn the world upside down. In Acts 17, Paul and Silas are preaching in Thessalonica and the people of the city, they get enraged and they say this, those that have turned the world upside down have come here too. They had this reputation that went before them that everywhere they went, they were turning things upside down. What does that mean? Things were changing. The culture was shifting everywhere that they go. You know the reason that we want students from Rutherford to come into this church? is isn't just so we can go, hey, look at all the kids we have that go to the school down the street. No, it's because we want there to be a deposit in their life that whenever they go into that school, that it looks different than it's looked before. You know the reason that you come here on Sunday mornings isn't just so you can check church off of your list. It's so that you can get a deposit and then everywhere you go, you start changing the culture where you're at. Because I still believe we're called not to be, not, not to be thermometers, but to be thermostats. That we don't just read what's around us, but we set what's around us. We are the ones who set the temperature. We're the ones who set the environment. We're the ones who make the change. We don't react to the change. What's your reputation? You have the same reputation like Paul and Silas? Everywhere we go, we change things. Or is your reputation that everywhere you go, you're changing to what's around you? Don't settle for anything less than his purpose. We, we, listen, we so often have settled for good when God has something so much better than good. We've settled for good Christianity with good programs, good groups, good organization, good music, good presentation. And by the way, I'm not against any of that. We had a, a really great ladies meeting on, on, on Friday night with good food. But if we just had good food, you could go to a restaurant and get better food. Hmm? But it all, it, it all is pointing to something bigger, that your life can be changed by the power of Jesus. If we, we'd have, we have good lights and good screens and good music and good all of that, but there are people who can do it a lot better. Let's just be real. Taylor Swift's got a tour going on right now, her light show, I'm sure. Way bigger and better than ours. Way bigger and better. But you know what? People aren't going from darkness to light at Taylor Swift concerts. You can have all the good stuff in the world. But if it's not a God thing, it's all just perishing anyways. Y'all with me? What's our reputation? Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less than what God has. Listen, there's things we could, I'm so thankful for what God's doing in youth. And Pastors Garrett and Becker are just doing a wonderful job and it's absolutely astounding. Amen. Give him a hand. Amen. 
But listen, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things we could do that tomorrow we could have 500 kids show up if we wanted to. There's a lot of good things you could do. But I'm not just about being a bunch of kids in a room. We want to see kids' lives changed. We want to see people tap into destiny and purpose, not just have numbers to check off a box. I'm all about, and listen, if, if we get 500 kids, praise God, we'll figure out what we're going to do with all of them. And we believe for, listen, that's a, that's a good, that's a problem I want to have. Try to figure out what we're going to do with everybody. That's a problem that we will willingly embrace and figure it out and get some supernatural ideas. But if we just have 500 kids who are showing up because there's free food and Foursquare and some video games or whatever, but their lives aren't being changed, we're not being successful. And there's a lot of people that settle for good when God has something better. Don't just settle for the good job and the good house and the good car when God has something so much bigger on your life than just material things and what you can attain to. Now, listen, I'm not against anything. I'm not against having a good job. I'm not saying go quit your job. Amen. And the church said, I want anybody to walk out and go, Pastor said, don't settle for a good job. I quit. <laughs> I'm saying your life is more than that. You have destiny. You have purpose. You have something bigger on your life than just a good, nominal, American dream existence. You're called to shake the world. You're called to turn the world upside down. You are called to be a trendsetter. But to do that, you can't be just like everybody else. Listen, the early church had different results through different living. When we look at our culture, it's not difficult to look and see that we need a lot of help and a lot of change. Can somebody say amen? How many of you know at least one area in culture that needs some revolution, it needs some change, some things need to shift and move? I'm not going to sit here and enumerate all of them because that's not the point of this and we'd be here all day. But the early church began to see the culture shift. Why? Because they lived different. They got different results through different living. Jesus told them that you're going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And you know what? They actually believed it. So you know what happened? They actually laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. He said, you guys are actually going to cast out demons. And you know what? They actually did it. You know why? Because they believed it. One of the biggest ways you can live differently is just believe that you can do what Jesus said you can do. Because that wasn't just a promise for them. That's a promise for you today still. Whatever you believe you can do will be birthed in your life. Different results are always birthed through different living. You see that with Daniel. Daniel and his friends are taken into Babylonian captivity. And they're given access to everything that Babylon had. Including the king's meat and the king's wine. Which was the best of the best. And Daniel refused to consume those things. His friends refused to consume those things. And Daniel 1.17 tells us this, that God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. When? After they refused to consume that which was of Babylon. And a lot of people don't live in wisdom. They don't live in knowledge. They don't live in breakthrough. They don't live in everything God has called them to be. Because they have consumed that which is Babylon's whenever they were called to abstain from it. It's gotten real quiet in here. When I said, y'all just got to believe, everybody was shouting. And now that we say, sometimes you have to abstain from some things. If you want to receive something, we go, I'm not sure about that. Are you telling me there's things I can't do? Absolutely. 
Are you telling me there's activities I can't participate in? Yes. Let me say this. Also, it's not just about what you consume. It's about what consumes you. Because a lot of times whenever we talk about consuming things, you can't consume that which is a Babylon. Everybody immediately jumps to, if, if you had any sort of church youth group upbringing, everybody just immediately jumps to TVs and movies. TV shows, movies, and, and, and music. Can't listen to the music, can't watch the movies, can't watch the TV. And in some cases, that needs to still be true. Amen. I'm going to sit down on the front row and amen myself if y'all want. It's going to take a little bit longer because I'm going to have to run back and forth. I'm going to have to breathe in between, but we'll get there. Sometimes you still have to say no to some of those things. But sometimes it's not even necessarily about what you are consuming, but also what consumes you. If you become consumed with everything in the culture, if you become consumed with social media, if you become consumed with what the talking news pundits say, and that's what just absolutely drives you, guess what? You're not going to live to the fullness of what God has for you because you need to be consumed with him and him alone. You need to be consumed with him and what he says about you and who you are. And then guess what happens? You begin to receive knowledge and skill and learning and wisdom. You begin to be different because you live different. And guess what? Then whenever your friends come to you and go, why did you get the promotion? Whenever they said that they weren't going to give any more promotions. Well, you have to understand, I'm just a little bit weird like that. I'm just a little bit peculiar. I had a guy in my church in Orlando. He came to me. He said, Pastor, I need you to... I need you to pray with me. They're doing a bunch of, they've done like a, a freeze on all raises and they're doing, and promotions, and they're doing cutbacks at our job right now. I need you to just pray with me and agree with me because, you know, I need, I need this job. I got bills to pay. I said, we're going to agree, we're going to pray. He came to me a couple weeks, week, couple weeks, a month later, something like that. He said, Pastor, the boss called me into his office. I was really worried. Because, you know, normally when you get called in the, bo the boss's office and the word is cutbacks, it's not a good sign. And he's called me and he said, hey, listen, you have just done such a phenomenal job that even though we said no promotions and no raises, we're going to break our own policy to give you a promotion and a raise. Hmm? When you're different, sometimes it pays to be a little bit peculiar. Sometimes it pays to be different than everybody else. Because guess what? The people who are different than everybody else, they live on a different plane than everybody else. And then, listen, they may have said no. They may have said they're going to do cutbacks. But listen, I, I don't, I'm not living in that plane. I'm living in a different place. And I, I, I'm, I'm not consuming what they're consuming. So even when it looks bad for everybody else, God's still going to bless me in the middle of it. And guess what? Maybe if I do get, even if I do get cut, God's going to make, make a way and there's going to be a better job on the other side. Because God's not going to leave me out to dry because, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm with him, and he's got my back, and I'm a little bit weird, and he's going to make sure he takes care of me. I'm a little bit peculiar, and I'm different, but guess what? I'm also chosen and royal, and he's going to make sure that I'm taken care of at the end of the day. Y'all with me? I want to I end with this thought. Don't give me a couple more minutes. One of the biggest things that keeps people from living a peculiar life is fear. Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of being different. Revelation 21, verse 8. Y'all listen to me really good. Revelation 21, 8 lists people who will have their place in the lake of fire. John goes through and he lists people with these characteristics. And he talks about murderers. He talks about whoremongers. He talks about sorcerers. He talks about idolaters. But the first thing he lists is the fearful. The very first thing he says is the fearful. 
What a weird thing. What an odd thing. Unless you really understand it, fear will keep you away from Jesus. Fear will lead to unbelief in your life. Fear will only produce unbelief. Fear doesn't produce anything good. Fear produces unbelief. Unbelief produces doubt. Doubt leads to the dark side. No, I'm just, it's a little Star Wars joke for any of you who don't. All of these things lead down a path that leads you in a place you don't want to go. You've got to rid yourself of fear. Fear will keep you away from Jesus. Fear will keep you from your promise. Fear will keep you from becoming the peculiar, different person God has called you and made you to be. One of the most famous scriptures we, we use about fear all the time is in the book of Timothy. It's Paul writing Timothy, his spiritual son. And we quote it to kids all the time when they're scared of the dark or scared of a spider or whatever. We tell them this. I did it with my kids. God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. When Josiah was really little, if he'd ever be afraid, I said, Josiah, you're not afraid. Why? What did God give you? He threw tears because he was you know, still battling, being scared or whatever. Power, love, and a sound mind. And we, we have made that a, a verse about snakes and spiders and being scared of the dark. And you can apply it to any of those things if you want to, that's fine. But it's really about something much deeper than that. Timothy wasn't scared of a frog on the door. Timothy wasn't scared of some snake that was going to be outside of his house. It was much deeper than that for Timothy. Because if you actually read back a little bit, Paul starts out by reminding him, Timothy, don't forget to stir up the gift that's been in you, that was given to you by the laying on of hands. I remember your mom who supported me. I know your grandma. He gives him generational legacy that he's talking about that's in the life of Timothy. He says, now, Timothy, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. From the context clues, we can surmise that Timothy was probably entering a spot in his life where things had not gone his way, and he was not wanting to step out in the gift that God had given him. And Paul, as a father, had to remind him, Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Fear of man keeps so many people bound. you got to get over what other people think, and you got to realize what's important is what God thinks. And guess what? To ever do anything for the Lord, you're going to look different than the culture. I've never seen anyone who looks like the culture and does anything of note long-term for the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, there was just a whole string of pastors over the last several years that tried to make themselves look like and fit in with the culture, and almost every single one of them has fallen now. One by one. Major scandals, major problems. Why? Because they tried to be like the culture when they were called to be different. You're not called to be like everybody else. Get rid of the fear that makes you try to think you're supposed to be everyone else and be scared of being different from everything else. Why is it important for us to live in this way, to live different, to live peculiar? Because whenever we live different, it invokes the kingdom of God here on the earth. When we live this way, we create spiritual legacy. We leave change for generations to come. Think about this. We're still living in the fruit of Paul and Silas 2,000 years later. We are still living in the fruit of Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila 2,000 years later. We are still living in the fruit of Augustine years later. We are still living in the fruit 
of Martin Luther 600 years later. We are still living in the fruit of men and women of God who have come before us that simply made a choice that they were going to be different, that they didn't have to be like everybody else, that made a choice that they were going to step out and weren't going to be bound by fear. And if we really believe that, then today, living differently, we can leave a generational legacy for our children, for our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren, for our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. Some of y'all are not sure about that one because y'all think Jesus is coming in about 37 seconds. But if the Lord tarries for 10,000 more years, I believe what we're doing today and the way that we're living today can leave a legacy that carries and endures. But you won't do it by conforming to normal. You will only do it by being different. So today, I want to challenge you to break the mold and be different. I want to give you permission to be peculiar. You are called to be different. Will you stand up to your feet this morning? I just want you to lift your hands to heaven this morning. I want you to pray with me today. Say, Father God, come on, pray it out. Say, Father God, I thank you today that you've created me to be different. You haven't called me to be conformed to the image of the world, but you have called me to be peculiar, to be set apart, to be royal, to be chosen, to be holy. I thank you, Father, that today fear has no place in my life. I embrace joy and I embrace peace. I thank you today that as I live differently, that I'm leaving generational legacy, that I'm fulfilling purpose and destiny, and you're doing powerful and mighty things in my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.